please be seated. Our Bible reading this morning is from Psalm 116. If you're using the Pew Bibles, it's on page 604. Psalm 116. Psalm 116 is a psalm of praise and thanksgiving to God. Uh, it is the personal testimony of someone uh, who has experienced God's goodness and blessing in their life. Uh, in this psalm that we are about to read, the writer is going to share with us the things that the Lord has done in his life. And he is going to do this with a sincere, humble and grateful heart to God. Uh, he's going to praise God for answering his prayers. Uh, let us uh, look at the psalm together, but before we do this, uh, let us pray. Oh Lord our God, we thank you for the testimony recorded for us in Psalm 116. We thank you, Lord, uh, for preserving this psalm for us, uh, to encourage us, uh, to, have, to remind us that you are a God who hears and answers the prayers of his people. Help us, Lord, as we come to your word. Help us, Lord, to understand it and help us, our Father, to apply it to our own lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So reading through Psalm 116. I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy because he inclined his ear to me therefore I will call on him as long as I live the snares of death encompassed me the pangs of shore laid hold on me I suffered distress and anguished then I called on the name of the Lord O Lord I pray deliver my soul Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest, for the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke, I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. I've um, I realized this morning that I, I was uh, using, a, I've been reading from a ESV, but actually using an NIV translation in the sermon. Uh, some people kindly. Uh, made me aware of this uh, in, after the first sermon. I've divided Psalm 116 into two sections, uh, looking at verses 1 to 11 first, uh, where the psalmist uh, praises God for what he has done. Uh, he gives thanks to God. And then uh, in the second part uh, is his response. The psalmist promises uh, to offer up his life to the Lord uh, in thankfulness, in obedience, and in service to God. So looking at the first uh, half of the verse of the psalm, to begin with, the psalmist uh, praises God 
for what he has done. I love the Lord. Uh, this is how the psalm begins. This is the very first thing, the first thing that the psalmist shares with us. And remember, uh, this is his tribute. He, this is his personal testimony uh, in thankfulness uh, to what God has done in his life. And uh, this is like someone uh, from our church coming up one Sunday and sharing with us a testimony of what the Lord has done in their lives and giving thanks to God and uh, recognizing God's uh, work and hand in their lives. And the very first thing that the psalmist wants us to know is that he loves the Lord. And, and apart from Psalm 18, this is the only other psalm in the Psalter that begins in this way. I love the Lord. It's a simple and, and sincere expression of love for God. And, and I'm tempted to ask, though it's very early in the sermon, in the light of all that God has done for us, uh, in the light of all that God has uh, given to us in the gospel, does love for God characterize our lives? In the light of all that God has given to us, the, uh, the very life that we have, the air that we breathe, the planet on which we uh, live and, and habit, uh, does love for God characterize our lives? Uh, what is important for us to understand in this passage uh, is the context. In the context of the Bible, uh, in the context of the Bible, this statement is more than an emotional exclamation. This is more uh, than a feeling. So when the psalmist begins the psalm and says, I love the Lord, he is expressing more than a feeling. He is ex expressing uh, a deep and sincere faith in God. This is uh, his confession, a confession of the psalmist devotion to God. Not only is he saying that he loves God, but that he knows God and trusts God. Some of us might remember passages such as Deuteronomy chapter 6, where God's people are called to respond to God's deliverance and grace by loving God with all their hearts and with all their soul and with all their strength. And this is what the psalmist is doing at the beginning of this psalm. He's telling us of his love for God, but it's more than just an emotion, it's a confession of his faith in God, a response of, of praise uh, for what God has done for him. Now in this passage in De Deuteronomy, uh, the people of Israel were enslaved for many years in Egypt. They cried out to God uh, in their sufferings and God heard them and God rescued them and God taught them how to live and he gave them his law. He even came to live among them and promised to give them a new land and a new country. And in response to God's mercy and God's grace and God's deliverance, God says to his people, would you love me with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength? And this is what the psalmist is doing. This is how he begins. He begins his psalm with those words, I love the Lord. The psalmist uh, is not simply expressing his love for God, though he is certainly doing that. He's expressing also his faith, uh, his complete love and commitment to God. He's expressing this in response to the things that God has done in his life. And this is what he's going to share with us in verses 1 and 2. I love the Lord, and he gives us the reason, for he heard my voice. I love the Lord... For he heard my cry for mercy. I love the Lord because he turned 
his ear to me. The psalmist is full of praise for God and expresses his love and devotion to God in this psalm. And in this psalm, he links it all back to God hearing his prayers and God helping him. He links it all back to the fact that God heard his cry for help when he was helpless, when there was no one that could help him, uh, he called on the Lord and the Lord answered him. And not only did God hear him, but God answered him. And God came to his rescue. God saved him. And the psalmist uh, has been going through a time of great suffering, but the Lord rescued him. God came to his rescue. And he is going to tell us about his anguish and his suffering in verse 3. The psalmist was in distress. And this is why he said, please look with me at verse 3. And remember, you might be using a different translation than I'm using. But this is what he says in verse 3. The cords of death entangle me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Was he gravely ill? Was he suffering from an incurable illness, a deadly disease? Was he suffering from some kind of injustice that he couldn't escape? Did he find himself at the mercy of some enemy? We don't know. And sometimes uh, this is a good thing because it gives us the freedom to, to place our own sufferings into the psalm. Uh, for those of us who are suffering, it enables us uh, to relate to the pain that the writer is going through and to pray the prayer that he prayed. And this is what he did in verse 4. He, he prayed in his anguish, in his suffering. He turned to the Lord, which is uh, unfortunately a discipline and a practice that we often neglect, turning to God in trust and faith. Well, this is his prayer, and it's recorded for us in verse 4. Then I called on the Lord. Lord, save me. What a short prayer. Just a couple of words. And maybe his prayer was longer. But these few words are what is recorded for us. And it's a reminder to us that the Lord hears the prayer of his people, even the short prayers. Our prayers do not need to be long. Our prayers do not need to be complex or intricate. When I was growing up, uh, I used to go to this uh, prayer meeting that my uncles would take me to. And both of my uncles were elders in the church. And so they brought me along. And they really made it a point uh, when they prayed to, to pray for just about everything. They prayed and prayed. And often what would happen is my, my uncle would sit next to me. And I'd be in the middle. And then it would be my, my other uncle would be next to me. And he, and by the time he prayed, you would have the feeling that he's just prayed about everything. We don't always need to pray long and complex and intricate prayers. Uh, what is important is that we pray. What is important is that we bring our prayers to God in faith, trusting in his help, trusting in his provision. And as the psalmist tells us in verse 5, the Lord our God is gracious and righteous. He tells us that our God is full of compassion. And for him, this is not theoretical. This is what he has experienced in his life. He experienced firsthand 
the grace and compassion of God. And he, he shares it with us. He shares it with us in this psalm. And he tells us in verse 6 that the Lord has been his protector and his saviour. And he repeats this in verse 8 where he says, For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. So in verses 1 to 11, the psalmist praises God for, for answering his cry for help. This is a heartfelt uh, praise to God for answers to prayer. And there are three points of application that I would like to draw out from these verses. The first one is this. It's a simple one. Whatever the circumstances of our life, let us pray. Let us to commit all things to God in prayer because, and this is the point that the psalmist is trying to bring out, because the Lord hears us. This is what he says in verses 1 and 2, and it's repeated multiple times. I love the Lord for he heard my voice. I love the Lord for he heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me. Uh, literally, um, if we were to translate this literally from the Hebrew, it would read, the Lord stretched his ear towards me. Uh, the Lord inclined his ear, if you're using the ESV. It's a verb that is trying to capture the idea that God stoops down, is stooping down to carefully listen to the prayers of his children. He inclined his ear. So when we are praying, God is paying attention. There might be times in our lives when we might be tempted to think that the Lord does not hear us. A few weeks ago, we were, uh, I was preaching through Psalm 88, and the psalmist calls out uh, multiple times uh, to God. He has the impression that the Lord does not hear us. We might find ourselves in such a situation. There might be all kinds of reasons why we might think this. Uh, it might uh, discourage us. It might uh, force us to stop praying. If this is you this morning, Psalm 116 wants to encourage you. He wants to tell you that the psalmist wants to you to know that God pays careful attention to the prayers of his children. His ears are inclined to the prayers of his children. He's tubed down to hear us. Our prayers are never wasted. God is the help of his people. He does not ignore the prayers of his children. Psalm 116 uh, is a psalm that reminds us that God helps the weak, the helpless, the afflicted, and those whose hearts are troubled. He's gracious. He delights to show mercy and favor to his children. He's righteous in all that he does and will always do what is right for our good. He's compassionate. He loves his children. He loves to show kindness to us. So let us, let us pray. Let us pray for he hears. So that's the, the first thing that the psalmist wants to tell us. Turn to God. Pray to him for he hears us. He's paying careful attention to the prayers of his people. 
And all the more for us who in Christ have a great mediator to go to. Uh, all the more for us who in Christ have a great high priest who is able to intercede for us before the very throne of God. So the first thing that the psalmist wants us to learn is in our times of need is to turn to God for he hears us. Secondly, in verse 10, let us pray in faith. Uh, this is what the psalmist says in verse 10. Even when he was greatly afflicted, he trusted in God. His faith and trust in God did not waver. Uh, James, the brother of Jesus, uh, says a similar thing in James chapter 1. He says, when you ask, in other words, when you pray, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person, says James, should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. In other words, when we pray, let us pray in faith, trusting in God, trusting in His goodness, trusting in His timing, tr trusting in His good purposes to us, submitting to His will for our lives. The Lord might choose to answer us in ways that surprises us. The Lord might choose to answer us in ways that we didn't expect. But we can put our trust in the fact that God knows what is best for us. So let us pray. And let us pray in faith. And thirdly, uh, please look with me at verse 7. He says there in this verse, uh, he's talking to himself. He's preaching to himself. And he says, return to your rest, my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Sometimes the trials of life can really upset us and unsettle us. This was very likely the case of the writer of Psalm 116. It appears from what we read in verse 7 that the psalm is though thankful to God for his deliverance, was still struggling to find peace in his heart. Uh, we can think, for example, of someone who has gone through a traumatic experience and have come out on the other side. Praise the Lord. And is thankful to God for His deliverance. And yet, uh, they're still struggling with the trauma. They're still struggling with the pain. They're still struggling with the sorrow. They're still struggling with the bad memories. And so the psalmist prays that he might learn to find rest and peace for his heart and soul in God. He reminds himself that the Lord has been good to him and he looks to God for peace. After all the affliction that he has endured, the psalmist still feels that his heart is in turmoil. But he reminds himself that the Lord has rescued him. He reminds himself that the Lord is good. He reminds himself that the Lord can be trusted. And he turns to God and he prays that the Lord will give him a renewed sense of peace in his life. He prays that the Lord will calm his heart. In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul tells us that there is a peace that we as children of God can experience, a peace that surpasses all understanding. Our circumstances might remain the same. The trials that we are facing must still continue, but God can still give us peace as we learn to entrust our burdens to Him in prayer. 
as human beings, it's very easy for us to be worried and unsettled. It's easy for us to become anxious. There are, there, is so, there are so many things that we don't know and so little that we have power or control over. But God is not like us. He is the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. He rules over all things and has absolute power over all things. We can turn to Him. We can trust in Him. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4 that the peace that God gives to us will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, that peace that God gives to us is like a protecting wall around us, calming us, um, protecting us from the worries of this world. So what do we learn from this first half of Psalm 116? We learn that the Lord hears us, that He pays attention to our prayers. And we learn that He is our help in our times of need. Uh, it encourages us uh, to turn to God in prayer, to trust in Him, seeking comfort and peace from Him for our lives. Our first point, the psalmist uh, praises God. He praises God for what God has done for him. And he encourages us to do the same. He encourages us to go to God for he hears. He encourages us to pray even in our affliction. And he encourages us to find our peace and our comfort and our hope in God. And then secondly, the psalmist speaks of his indebtedness uh, to God. He he, he, he is overwhelmed with a sense of thanks to God for what God has done for him. And he says in verse 12, um, let me read this verse for you. And again, you might be using a different translation. But he says there in verse 12, What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? It's a rhetorical question. The psalmist knows that there is, there is nothing that he can do to repay God. He knows that God needs nothing. He knows that God has and owns everything. Uh, the earth and everything in it belongs to him. And so it's a rhetorical question, and, but nonetheless it expresses his, his deep sense of gratitude and he, he feels indebted to God and he, he wants to express his thankfulness to God. He has a sense that there is, and that there is a sense in which he, he can never give back to God and nothing that he could give to, uh, that would match what God has done for him. Yet, he, in the humbleness of his heart, his desire, his question is, what is it that I can do uh, to please God? So if in the first half of the psalm, if the first half of the psalm is a testimony to what God has done for him, the second part of the psalm is a testimony of what he, he pledges, or what he promises to do in thankfulness to God, not, not to win God's favor, but in, in thankfulness to what God has already given to him. So first in verse 13, the psalmist pledges and promises to live his life in thankfulness to God. Uh, the question is this, in light of God's abundant blessing in our lives, how are we to respond? Well, the psalmist tells us, this is how he responds. He responds in thankfulness. And this is not a, a one-off. This is not God has helped me. Thank you, the Lord. This is an attitude and a heart of thanksgiving to God that carries us 
all the days of our lives. This is what the psalmist is promising to do in verse 13. He says there, I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord in thanksgiving, in humility. Now, this cup of salvation is the opposite image of the cup of God's wrath. Now, this cup of salvation speaks of blessings as opposed to curses. It is a picture of the great work that the Lord has done in the life of the psalmist. And the psalmist says, I will lift this cup to you, Lord. I will live my life in thankfulness to you. Martin Lloyd-Jones once said, the first characteristic of the true Christian is always a sense of thankfulness and gratitude to God. The first characteristic of the true Christian, of someone who truly understand that the grace of God to us in the gospel is a sense of thankfulness and gratitude to God. Is that true of you and I? When we think of the gift that's been given to us in the gospel, our sins being taken away, a grace being given to us, Christ's righteousness imputed to us, we are forgiven, reconciled to God. We've been given eternal life. Are our hearts filled with thankfulness to God? Martin Luther, the German theologian and reformer, said a similar thing. He said, the most acceptable service we can do and show unto God, and which alone He desires of us, is that He be praised of us. This is what the psalmist promises to do in verse 13. Overwhelmed by the goodness of God overwhelmed by the grace of God in his life, overwhelmed by this great answer to his prayers, that, to the prayers that he has received, he promises to live a life of gratitude and thankfulness to God. No one can repay God. The psalmist knows that. But he can rededicate his life to God. He can repurpose his life and live the whole of his life for the glory of God in praise of God and in thanksgiving to Him who has saved Him and delivered Him. And we are called to do the same. The second thing that He promises uh, to do is found in verse 14. So the first part of the psalm, this is what God has done for Him. And in the second one, this is what He pledges to do. He pledges to live a life of thanksgiving to God. The second thing that He pledges to do is in verse 14. I will fulfill my vows to the Lord in the presence of all His people. Now, it's a bit unclear what these vows were. Some people believe that he's uh, referring to verse 9, where he speaks about his obedience to God and his pledge to, to live in obedience to God. So it is possible, but it's hard to tell. But what we know is that uh, they were important vows because the psalmist repeats them again in verse 18. He, he's committed uh, to fulfill those vows. Uh, the psalmist tells us that he will fulfill them in the presence of all people uh, in public. He, in other words, he wants the church to witness what he has pledged to do. This is a, a public demonstration of his thankfulness to God. By completing his vow in public, the psalmist uh, uh, pledges to keep himself accountable before all the people of God. I will fulfill my vows. I will live in thankfulness to God, but I will also live in obedience to God. I will walk in God's ways. I would live in faithfulness to God. 
So how does he respond to God's amazing work of grace in his life? He responds in thankfulness and in obedience. And finally in verse 16, he offers his service to God. So there's thankfulness, there's obedience, and there's service. He says at the end of verse 16 that he has been freed. He has been delivered. But all of this has happened so that he would serve the Lord. He compares himself to a servant. Some of us might see our newfound freedom from the trials of our lives as an opportunity to finally focus on ourselves, isn't it? Finally, the Lord has delivered me. Now I can have some me time. Not the psalmist. As the Lord delivered him, he rededicates his life to God in service of God. But this is not what... Uh, in, this is not what he does. He's not selfish. Uh, he commits himself to serve God, to serving God. And again, we don't have the details. We don't know how that this looks like. So the second part of the psalm, the second part of the psalm is really his practical response to the first part of the psalm. And, it's, and it teaches us these three things, three ways of responding to God's goodness and grace and blessing to us. Thanksgiving, obedience, and service. Now I want to conclude with two things. The Bible is full of examples of Christian men and women giving thanks to God for His work in their lives. In Exodus chapter 15, for example, Moses and his sister Miriam give thanks to God for delivering Israel out of Egypt. In Leviticus chapter 7, thanksgiving offerings are brought before the Lord as an expression of thankfulness to Him. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah, a barren woman, gives thanks to God for the miracle of a child. The book of Psalms is full of psalms of thanksgiving and praise to God. Psalm 116 ends in Hebrew with the word hallelujah. It is a psalm of praise and thanksgiving everywhere in the, in the Bible. In the New Testament, Christians are encouraged to always... Give thanks to God for everything. Paul often begins his letters with, by giving thanks to God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul exhorts us to pray continually, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Giving thanks in all circumstances. Even when times are difficult and hard, there are times, there are things that we can be thankful to God for. So the question dawns on us, isn't it, as we read through Psalm 160, 116. Is your life or our lives characterized with thankfulness to God, obedience to God, and service of God? We often grumble, don't we? There's so many things to complain about and not unhappy we feel that like God doesn't hear us or he doesn't, that He doesn't give us what we want. It's easy uh, to compare ourselves to others. Psalm 116 is a good reminder to us of the Lord's goodness and grace to us. And He calls us to live a life of thankfulness to Him. And I'd like to close with those words of A.W. Tozza. He's speaking about gratitude. And this is what he says. Gratitude is an offering precious in the sight of God. It is one that the poorest of us can make. Gratitude is one that every one of us, the poorest of us, can make and be not poorer 
but richer for having done it. Are you grateful for what the Lord has done and continues to do in your life? Are you grateful for the grace of God in the gospel? Are you grateful for the loving and restored relationship that you now enjoy with God by faith in Christ? Are you grateful for the family of the church, the brothers and sisters in Christ who share with you a common faith and are partners with you in the cause of the gospel? Are you grateful for the gift of eternal life and the hope of the kingdom to come? If yes, how is this seen in your life? Can I see it? Could I see it? Psalm 116 teaches us to respond to God's goodness and grace to us with praise, with thanksgiving, with obedience and service to God. May the Lord help us as we live for him every day of our lives. Let me pray for us. Gracious and loving Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness, your grace, your mercy, your abundant provision in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for all that you give us. Every good gift, Lord, comes from you. We thank you, Lord, for Christ, our Lord, our Savior. We thank you, Lord, for the good news of the gospel. We pray, Father, that you would give us hearts that are filled with thankfulness for all that you have done for us. We pray, Lord, that your Spirit will give us a hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we would walk in your ways all the days of our lives. And we pray, Father, that we would Offer up our lives as living sacrifices to you in service of you, the living God. Please help us, Lord, in our walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.